Pastor Craig Groeschel once said, the life we have is often a reflection of the thoughts we think. But how does thinking impact our physical life? We're continuing our series on the power of habits. You're listening to The Bloom Podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Robinson, for February 2nd, 2024. Welcome to the Bloom Podcast. Bloom is designed to inspire, encourage, and grow you in your relationship with others and Jesus. Bloom launches a new episode on the first Friday of each month, so be sure to subscribe wherever you consume the content so we can continue to grow together. So last month, to kick off the new year, we focused on habits and how they are powerfully impacting your financial life. I'm a big believer of habits over resolutions because resolutions focus on a specific outcome, which can often fail. We get discouraged when we don't see quick results, and over time, we find ourselves falling back to our default. Habits, on the other hand, are patterns of behavior, which makes them much harder to break. So when we focus on creating habits, we're more likely to succeed in making progress and seeing change. We're tackling another one of the most popular gold trends for the new year, physical health. According to a study conducted by Forbes magazine, improving fitness ranks the number one resolution for 2024, with losing weight and improving diet falling shortly after. And let's face it, people tend to focus on what's on the outside. Our culture is obsessed with outward appearance. And even though there have been some positive changes in the standards of what is considered attractive and beautiful, people still find themselves desiring more results in this particular area of life. But I'm not here to unveil the secrets to weight loss or even address the topic of body image. Those might be the more trending topics, and they're still valid, important topics, but I want us to consider a deeper element at play in the grand scheme of things as it pertains to our physical being. So today, as we unpack the topic of our physical life, I want us to focus on less on the physical appearance and everything on healthy living. Now, I believe instead of resolutions that, again, laser on a number on a scale, habits for healthy living create opportunity for not just a positive improvement in physical appearance, but overall quality of life and ultimately better impact for the kingdom. Just like your finances, your physical habits matter in how effective we are. It's hard to be generous if you have a hard time managing money and are always in a state of debilitating debt. Now the same holds true for your physical life. It's hard to serve others well if you yourself are not well and you're not taking the appropriate measures to steward your health. And because habits start with a mindset, we are going to first focus on positive mindset that is needed in order to form new habits. There's a verse that is helpful when it comes to our mindset, and it's also um, found in one of my favorite books of the New Testament, which is Philippians. So it says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Now, we don't have the time to break these down and expand on each component of this verse, but the takeaway here is of a positive mindset, a positive narrative in your thought life. Now, what does that have to do with creating positive physical habits? 
Because whatever you set out to do, your mind must reach that conclusion first. If you have a negative self-talk, it will substantially hinder your progress in establishing new patterns of behavior. So if your default is to have a negative outlook on your decisions regarding your health, you will not succeed in your endeavors. For example, if you complain, complain, complain about having to eat a salad instead of a Big Mac for lunch, you will quickly pitch the salad and then go for the burger. Even good intentions are not effective when it comes to creating new habits, so it's necessary for us to first approach new patterns of behavior with positive thinking. So instead of whining that you have to get up early to get some movement in before your day gets started, be grateful that you have the mobility that allows you to get out of bed. My husband Jesse and I work out together in the mornings, Monday through Friday, and there are times when my body is just tired. Like there's days I wake up and my body's like not having it. You know, maybe I'm sore from yesterday's workout and all I can hear is my bed calling my name to come back where it's warm and cozy. And on those particular days, I struggle a little bit more with having a positive mindset. And I remember one time in particular when we were doing burpees, and if you have no idea what a burpee is, you can Google it. But um, just to give you a little bit of a background, I'm pretty sure that they began as some kind of form of punishment or torture. Um, But I have grown to accept them, uh, but they're definitely not my favorite thing to do, but they are effective. Um, But we were just about to head into our second set, and I just said, ugh, burpees suck. I said, let's just get this over with. And Jesse said something to me that stuck with me. He said, first of all, he always says this, get your mind right. And then he said, it doesn't suck. It's making you stronger. He was giving me a whole new outlook. And when I began to have that perspective, whenever I faced having to do something that's hard or challenging, I think of those words. If it's hard, it's making me stronger. And that doesn't suck. That is pretty amazing, actually. It's a good thing, but it all begins with your mindset. Now, once you get your mind right, as my husband likes to say, the second focus is similar to one that we mentioned in part one. We talked about the steady plotting principle. Now, with money, the steady plotting principle teaches to set aside money little by little to watch it grow over time. It's a process. It's a journey. It's not going to give you instant results. You have to be patient with it. But in time, you will reap the reward of consistently setting that little bit back. Now, our second habit mindset is little decisions make big differences. Every decision determines whether you are moving toward a goal or toward a new habit or taking a step back. The same principle can be applied to your physical life. Resolutions are rooted in big goals. Like we say things like, I'm losing 40 pounds. The focus becomes all about that number. In health math, we know that weight adds up faster than it's subtracted, and it can be discouraging when those numbers aren't moving as quickly as we'd like them to. But when we focus on making smaller adjustments, little decisions, and we're not focusing so much on that big goal, that number, we begin to create new habits and then focus on those mini victories. Now, maybe it's as simple as taking the stairs or reducing your sugary beverage intake, going to bed an hour earlier, or the opposite, not hitting snooze so you can get up in enough time to exercise. 
Or maybe it's cutting out late night snacks. Those are small choices, but over time, they make a big impact. And instead of focusing on an outcome, you can focus and find gratification in accomplishing those little but important wins. Now, habits are not about obsessing over an end goal. This is about forming new patterns of behavior that improves your health, quality of life, and effectiveness for what God has called you to do. So third, your diet is more than what you eat. So this goes along well with our mindset on healthy living because we consume more than just food. Consider what content you consume, what you fill your mind with, and who you spend the majority of your time with. We consume media, information, news, opinions of others, all of which we mentally intake, process, and eventually become. Just like we digest the food that we eat, we digest all that information that we are taking in. And this is why the Bible tells us to guard our hearts and our minds. It's not because we are supposed to wall up ourselves from entering into community with others or expressing our emotions or having relationships, but we should be careful what we allow ourselves to receive. If you spend time with someone with a critical spirit or someone who is a pathological complainer, you are much more likely to take on those same attitudes and behaviors of that person. Think of it as you would junk food. Surrounding yourself with negativity and toxicity is filling you with nothing of sustenance or nutritional value. Now, we can't escape from everyone, and we're commissioned to be a light, so that means we will have to step into the dark places and sit in the trenches with people. But we want to be sure that we're also prioritizing adequate time with those who are edifying us, sharpening us, encouraging us, pouring truth into us. And more than social media or Netflix, fill yourself with God's word. Hebrews 4.12 tells us that the word of God is living and active, meaning it's relevant for today. Sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. His word is life-giving. It's the lamp for our feet and the light for our path. We should be feasting over his word, over any other source. Now, how do we develop habits for consistently reading God's word? Now, if you want to eat well, there is some careful preparation and planning involved, right? No one accidentally eats healthy. It has to be intentional. And the same holds true for what you consume within your heart and your mind. So for years, I always heard of people saying that they have this beautiful, intimate time with God in the morning. And they paint this picture of sitting on their front porch as the sun is rising, hot cup of coffee in one hand, Bible in the other. And it's this magical moment with the Lord. And I tried to duplicate this picture. Perfect time with God and always felt like I failed miserably. No porch, cold cup of coffee, gray sky, and bombarded by racing thoughts and distractions. So I decided to switch things up. I started reading at night in my bed. I didn't have to worry about getting into the shower by a certain time. I didn't have to fret about insignificant details like what should I wear that day or be consumed by a meeting that I had that morning. I could peacefully read to my heart's content until I was ready to go to sleep. 
Find what works for you. Maybe it's listening to your Bible app in the car on the drive to work or a podcast that encourages you while you're cooking dinner. The key is to make sure you're consuming what is life-giving and most importantly, consuming the word. And you might think that sounds more like a spiritual habit rather than a physical habit. And it's, it's true, but it's both and. It's not an or. Um, and a little known secret, they're all connected. Your physical life affects your spiritual life and vice versa. This is why this matters. Proverbs 3 says, Fear the Lord. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Fourth is probably one of my favorites and hardest lessons that I probably had to learn. Took me a while to to really grasp and understand this. But fourth is accept your limitations. Now, a lot of people love abusing the familiar verse in Philippians, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This verse is not meant as a blanket statement. Like we're just supposed to like take on the world and just say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I mean, for instance, if you've never run more than the distance from your house to your neighbors, you can't just assume that you're going to wake up and go run a marathon without training and building up for it, just claiming that Christ's strength is going to help you do it. And so when Jesse was a college football coach and his job was demanding and he wasn't home much, I saw it as a challenge to be super mom, super wife, super minister. I could do it all. I was working within some capacity of my various roles for 17 hours a day, functioning on little sleep, pumping coffee frequently. I mean, if I could have an IV of coffee, I would have. I mean, anything would have really helped me at that point. And a couple of months at this pace, I found myself burnt out, weak, and physically ill. I had hit my limit. And I knew I had to send out for a lifeline or two. And I came to the gripping reality that adjustments needed to be made. Big adjustments needed made. So I began reaching out for help. I recruited the kids to take on more responsibilities around the house. I delegated certain tasks at work. I became familiar with the word no and not being afraid to use it. I couldn't do it all. And the freeing truth was I didn't have to. And I'm not designed to. I think when we accept that we have limits, that we're a finite creation, we can give ourselves more grace and more space. Grace to be okay with our limitations, space to slow down and recharge. So what does that look like for you? If we're talking about limitations, you know, this kind of habit requires taking regular inventory. It's unique in the sense that it can change depending on your situation, season, life's demands. But when you begin to feel overwhelmed, that's a really good indication that it's time to take some inventory. So here are some simple habits to create in this area. First of all, ask for help. Tap into community. Who can support you or who can lead you to the proper resources? There's a story that I really love in Exodus where the Israelites are in battle and Moses was leading the people at the time. And in order to be winning the the battle, he had to hold up his staff. And whenever he would begin to lower his staff, when his arms got really tired, Israel would begin to lose. And that's when Moses' friends came in 
as reinforcements. Aaron and Hur helped Moses hold his staff up. So start to ask yourself, who are your Aaron's and your hers? Number two, take rest seriously. And remember, coffee is not a substitute for sleep. I love my coffee. I drink it every day, but it is definitely not a substitute for sleep. God designed a day of rest after he created the world. Not because God was worn out from his work, but he was modeling a rhythm of rest for us humans because he knew that we were going to need it. Schedule rest like you would a meeting or lunch with a friend. Do it regularly and consistently. And this can be as simple as taking a relaxing bath or a Sunday afternoon nap. It doesn't have to be complicated. It just needs to be consistent. And then number three, don't be afraid to say no. No is a beautiful word. I remember um, not liking it when my toddlers, you know, when they were small, when, when they would say no. But no is actually a really great word. And remember that when you say yes to something, you inevitably say no to something else. So manage your yeses and your noes carefully and, of course, with God's discernment. You are not meant to take on every opportunity and accept every invitation, and that is okay. All right, and then the final habit is doing something you love. Life demands a lot from us, and it's easy to feel depleted. So it's so important that we intentionally incorporate some kind of activity or interest into our weekly routine that gives us life. So consider what you love. What helps you recharge? For me, and most people think this sounds completely crazy, but I love cleaning, believe it or not. It's therapeutic for me. And maybe this is because I grew up watching Full House and seeing Danny Tanner clean all the time. I don't know. I just, I always thought how nice their house looked. And I personally like the satisfaction of just rolling up my sleeves and getting to work with my hands in a different way that's not just typing out emails. Um, But I also love organizing, decorating, or doing something creative. These are simple ways that help me feel energized. So if I've had a really long, stressful week. I like to do one of these things. Plan and schedule out one of these things just to help me recharge a little bit. And like rest, you want to make space for yourself to have this enjoyable time. It doesn't have to be this big, grand concept, just fitting something into your routine that refreshes you. And when you get in the habit of doing this, it becomes something that you look forward to. It feels like a reward after a long, busy week. A little bit of an exhale. Because whether you're a stay-at-home mom, PTO president, a businesswoman, wife, small group leader at church, caregiver of aging parents, or all the above, you are consistently pouring out yourself into the lives of others. So to avoid burnout and exhaustion, consistently do something that fills you. All right, so for a quick recap, if we want to create habits for our physical life, we need to first have a positive mindset about your physical health. Have a perspective that when something is hard, like a new workout, it doesn't suck. It makes you stronger. Don't allow negative thoughts to defeat you in your health endeavors. Number two, small decisions make big differences. Every decision is significant because every decision determines whether you're moving toward a goal or a new habit or taking a step back. 
then don't discount those small decisions because in time, they add up to make a big difference. Number three, your diet is more than what you eat. Consider what content you consume, what you fill your mind with, and who you spend the majority of your time with. Be sure to spend regular time in God's word, however that works best for you. Four, accept your limitations. Be in the practice of taking intentional inventory. You are not designed to be superwoman. It's okay to ask for help from your community. Tap into your errands and your hers. Take rest seriously and don't be afraid to say no. And then lastly, do something you love. Make space for activities and interests that help you recharge and refuel. Schedule it in your calendar. Make it a priority. When you pour out, you need to give yourself the opportunity to be filled. I think we have this tendency to silo areas of our lives. Our financial life is over here, and then our physical life is over here, and then our spiritual life is over here. Our relational life is over here. But the fact is that they are all intertwined and are intricately connected more than we realize. When one area is suffering, it spills into the other areas of our lives and then everything gets affected. The power of habits is that it helps you create and manage a consistent and healthy life. If you're interested in discovering more opportunities for growth and community, check out our website at gracecma.org. Get connected to classes, small groups, Bible studies, and so much more. There are so many things available. Next month, we're wrapping up the series with our final part, The Power of Habits and Your Spiritual Life. So we're saving the best for last. Join me back next month. And in the meantime, keep growing and God bless.